This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Allen back to throw again. Throws one over the middle. It's tipped, and it's intercepted. CJ Mosley's got it. Runs right to the 10. Five. Touchdown. Jones has a take away. Bradley McDougal. And welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. I'm your host, Ben Blessington, with Michael Nania. Uh, you're listening to part two of our CYJ mailbag that kicks off training camp for the Jets in 2020. Uh, as always, you can follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, uh, whatever. You can also find this podcast at JetsXFactor.com, which for my money is, is the best place uh, to go for Jets content. Make sure you go check that out. Um, so yeah, without further ado, we'll, uh, we'll hop right into part two at jets going to jet. Uh, I like the, I like the at there. Uh, it says if the jets have another down year and some uh, somehow end up with the top five pick, how realistic is it that Sam will be the fall guy and Gase will get to pick the new QB or do you think Gase won't make it that bad with that bad of a record? Uh, definitely don't think that Gase will survive if it's a bad year. It's pretty, it's, I mean, I, I can't imagine that Woody Johnson coming back. Uh, or even if Chris Johnson stays in charge of the team is going to allow Gase to have two. I mean, they finished seven and nine, but two pretty bad seasons, especially if Darnold's bad. Um, the argument that we were having, and I think this is the only question that kind of addresses it. Um, but essentially, you know, uh, if the Jets decide to move on from Sam Darnold this year and, and Joe Douglas says, let's package our pick with Seattle this year. So we have two first round, but if he takes the capital from the Jamal Adams trade and tries to move up and get a quarterback, which Given this trade, he has the flexibility to do. It gives him a lot of options. It's, let's say Sam Darnold and Gase both are terrible next year, and he wants to do that. The problem with that is, is you're just putting your new quarterback right in the same situation that Sam Darnold's been stuck in. He might have a better one because he has Joe Douglas doing the later rounds of the draft and free agency than Mike McCagnon, but you're putting him right in a, in a, in a position to fail. Um, in my mind, if the season goes bad, I think Joe Douglas is, unless Sam Darnold's just horrific, I think Joe Douglas's plan is, uh, if the season goes bad, you give Sam one more chance with a new um, head coach, offensive coordinator, perhaps a scheme that, that fits his strengths more. You use those picks to build up your offense, give him a better chance. And if he's bad, then uh, then you can use the, the picks from the 2022 draft that you got because you have two in that round as well uh, to move up and get a quarterback if he's bad then. But I, don't, I can't really see a way that, uh, that Gase gets to stay and, and Sam goes. I, I think it's pretty much if, if they're bad, Gase goes – uh, and Sam stays. If they're really bad, they both go. Um, so, so Michael, w- w- what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, the only scenario I can see that playing out is in my nightmares. So, hopefully, <laughs> that doesn't play out in real life. But yeah, I just don't see Gase being the organization would have to have some real love for Adam Gase to make Sam again. Unless you said, like you said, Sam is just absolutely horrible this year, which seems extremely unlikely considering he hasn't been that so far with the worst help in the league. Uh, I don't see that happening. 
at all. But I think, like we talked about earlier, these two guys are kind of connected. So uh, if, you know, Sam's not going to go after this year. It's only three years. He's 23 years old. But uh, I think if Sam struggles, like you said, Gase will go. They'll give Sam another chance. Uh, And then after that, you could start thinking about looking for your next quarterback if he continues to struggle. But let's – I don't even – it's not even fun to talk about this. I mean, I have I still have such high hope for Sam Darnold. Our lessons have gone. You can down read my 100 reasons about Sam Darnold. I think he's going to pan out, uh, so I'm not worried about him being Gase's fall guy. Uh, at Joe RB31, Joe Blute, who runs the uh, Jets Film Room podcast and JetX, you can check him out. Um, he asked, "Which players on both sides of the ball were you both most wrong about? Both being good versus bad, and bad versus good." Mike, I'll throw this one to you since you've had way more uh, cold takes than me. <laughs> wow okay but I, I'll, I'll be honest here I think one that comes to mind is I think Robbie like Anderson oh, okay yeah I, I guess that's a good one I remember last year being like oh how can you bring in competition for this guy and then now here I am I think he's a bum but okay I guess I can put that one on my resume but Robbie Anderson I think I kind of thought saw him having a breakout year this year building off of that hot finish to 20 or in 2019 uh, building off that hot finish in 2018 uh, didn't happen. It, he had intermittent flashes here and there, but couldn't build the consistency. Uh, and, and Anderson finishes his Jets career with three pretty similar seasons uh, from 2017 through 19. 2017 was clearly ahead of those, but still all three of those seasons were about the same range. So he never really took that big leap. So I guess Robbie Anderson is the guy I probably had the biggest hopes for who didn't really live up to it this year in 2019 yeah i've been perfect every single take on this podcast so <laughs> at sports you know, um if i had to th- i think the biggest thing that i can be guilty of is being too much of a fan and i think sometimes i can talk myself into somebody um so i'm trying to think of a specific example of that where i've been you know i mean like even Le'Veon bell last year not saying Le'Veon bell is bad but you know i was pretty convinced that Le'Veon bell was gonna have a huge season last year and you know he, not all of it's his fault uh, but was fairly bad as far as guys, and let me, I'll try to think of some others while, while I go through this, but as far as guys who are good when I thought they were going to be bad, there's not really many that stick out to me. Um, I think on the offensive it, line, I had higher hopes for them. Right. I thought Osemi, even Khalil, I thought right. was going to be okay. Yeah, Khalil, Khalil's a good one as well. Uh, I think for the most I part... I thought Brandon if, Shell was developing into a good tackle <laughs> at one point. Right. If, if, if For the most part, if, if I think... Uh, a player on the Jets is bad, he's probably bad because that would mean the, the evidence would have to be pretty overwhelming. I'm generally a pretty optimistic guy. I, don't, I mean, I try to be measured. I, I try not to be a complete fan, but I try to be an optimist because there's really no point to being a Jets fan if you're just constantly negative. Um, but I guess, you know, a guy like Foley Fadakasi or Nathan Shepard were guys that Nathan I... Nathan Shepard is a guy for me. Yeah. After 2018, I was kind of... Uh, I was pretty pretty... At least in turn, I don't know if I ever really said it uh, on a podcast or a tweet or anything, but at least personally, I was pretty. I I thought he's extremely quiet in his rookie year. I didn't like what yeah, he, he did was. at all. But then this year, he came out and was very solid in that second half of the season in terms of his pressure. So now I'm really excited about him going. Right? Forward. Yeah, I think those two guys, not necessarily, especially Foley. Like I don't really think I was ever trash Foley Fadakasi. I actually mocked him to the Jets once. Um, but he was a guy when we would do these podcasts and we do our 53 man roster predictions, like I probably didn't even have him on the roster in some of them. Um, and the ones I did, he was just kind of a footnote. 
Um, but yeah, that, pretty early on last year, I think it was the preseason actually against the Giants. It was it was like, oh, this guy actually can play. And then Nathan Shepard, when he came back from his suspension, he also um, performed really well in Greg Williams' defense. So those guys would be guys that I probably underrated or specifically with Nathan Shepard thought were just bad picks um, and then turned out to be good. As far as good to bad, I mean, I, I probably had, you know, uh, overestimated guys before, like Le'Veon Bell's season last year. Um, I was a big fan of Anunwa. I mean, I guess it was injuries kind of derailed his career, but I really loved Quincy Anunwa. I was pretty bummed to see him how his career's gone so far. Um, I mean, I think I think I might have talked myself into Corey Vedvik honestly before the season. So, you know, I don't know. I think, I, yeah, I, we could do this all day. I, I would say, though, that Michael and I, I feel like we do have a fairly good track record. I don't feel like there's not any glaring ones. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to get added with some, but that stick yeah, out to everyone me. Everyone has – I'm sure everyone has the Cool Your Jets receipt, receipt saved. <laughs> they just, they yeah. just have well, all actually, those I do have a good one. I do have a good one. Not Jets, though. Uh, I thought Deshaun Kaiser was going to be – I mean, like, to be fair, I was, like, pretty early on into, like – looking at film i was like looking at like a youtube cut up or something and tweeting about it. i thought deshaun kaiser was gonna be really good and he turned out to be like god awful so that would probably be the biggest one because i was pretty and like he had that great preseason i was like bragging about it on twitter and then you know then he was pretty terrible i will say though lamar jackson though i do have tweets from the cyj pod where i was calling him qb1 so i mean i think when the, the draft rankings came out i had him at like three but in the football season, I was quote tweeting big touchdowns he was throwing with QB one. So I'll take all the credit in the world for that. I had a pretty hot take on, uh, well, not hot, correct take on Lamar Jackson for the draft as well. I actually pulled it up right now. Uh, I think. Jesus, what did I say? I was, <laughs> I said like if he could, if something like if he exactly what happened, if he gets a year to sit, he's going to be great. So there you go. I was correct about that. Huh? Uh, I mean. I was definitely big on Lamar, but I think once the – oh, Josh Rosen's another guy. So, okay, now, now I'm starting to open up the floodgates. But this is pre-cool your Jets, and these are guys who weren't on, on – didn't, you know, weren't on the Jets. This is other – you might – in the old podcast used to run. But I would say Deshaun Kaiser and, uh, and Josh Rosen would be the two QBs. I feel like I've also, like, learned a lot since that about, like, evaluating people. But Deshaun Kaiser and Josh, Josh Rosen were both quarterbacks where I thought they were going to be good, and they both have not panned out. Both been pretty massive busts. Yeah, so that I was, was really high in Rosen, too. I honestly preferred him. Not, I, I wanted either of him or Darnold when the Jets were on the clock, but right. Rosen was my preference. Right. So, I can't I'm not afraid imagine, to say that. I can't even imagine if they went with Rosen and put him behind this offensive line. Yeah. It, it, it which, oh, been. my God. <laughs> Wouldn't be able to handle it. Joe Blewett, I'd love to know your answer to that because I will say you've been very high, and this is not – me shitting on Quentin Williams. I'm just saying you were very high on Quentin Williams. So part of the reason I, I'm still optimistic about him is purely because of how much you hyped him up pre-draft. So I'm hoping that all that film study you've done, it pays I, off. I, I think Quentin is breaking out this year. I, Check out I some really of the stuff I've so. done on him. His right. pressure, his, he's doing a much better job last four games and there's I, numbers to back it up. I really, really hope Quentin Williams is, is good because that would, that would help. <laughs> that would help quite a bit. Um, especially when Josh Allen and Oliver in a trade down for all options going with the guy who had like two unblocked sacks last year is not the best look, but look, he was, most people saw him as the best player in the draft that year. So hopefully he breaks out this year. That'd be absolutely massive. Um, at sports fiend who actually has three, his DS one earlier is this one. And then another one. Uh, what are your thoughts on no social media support for teammates uh, for Jamal on his way to Seattle? Do you think he burned bridges with everyone in the locker room on his way out? I mean, we can't really speak to anything that in the locker room since we don't really know. I do think that was a good point that Kimberly Jones raised on NFL Network when she mentioned that, yeah, nobody had tweeted out publicly 
um, you know, wishing him well. I, you know, I mean, I think he's probably good friends with Marcus May. If you look at their, their Instagram comments, Ashton Davis reached out to him. I guess he was never in the locker room with him. Um, I would imagine he had some good friends with that, the people in the secondary. I think Brian Poole tweeted out it's always business or something, whatever. Um, so, no, I, I would say that he clearly has some friends in that locker room who, who texted him. I, I wouldn't read too much into it. But, yeah, I do think, it, you know, as fans, we only see, like, maybe 25% of, of what a leader to the team is. You know, we see who has the captain patch on. We see who's yelling loudly at practice. You know, we, we see who calls themselves a leader. But we don't really know what are they like in the locker room. Yeah. How do guys react, you know, when they're in practice and there's this dude just screaming about how amazing he is and pounding his chest and screaming at you. To, like, do players really like him and respect him? Do they think he's just an airhead? You know, we don't really know a lot of that. Um, so, you know, I would say don't read too much into it. I think it's a little interesting, but, um, you know, I, I would imagine that he still has his fair share of friends. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think I'm kind of in the middle on this. Um, like, is he the, because one of the things with Adams since the day he was drafted is that he's touted as this amazing, like just franchise changing leader. Is he that? I, I think all this shows that he's not that the fact that he hasn't, gotten this outpouring of support uh, or anything like that. Uh, and there were even some players such as Bell coming out who are not afraid uh, to, you know, voice their opinions against him. So I think we're clearly seeing, and even there was, uh, I think it was the New York Post. I don't want to get it wrong, but there was an article uh, that was kind of going with this point in which he wasn't that, you know, some teammates were tired of his act and things like that. So is he that franchise changing leader? Probably not. I don't think he's quite at that level, but does everyone hate him? Definitely not. He obviously has some friends on the team and just because they're not coming out on Twitter and, you know, because if they did come out on Twitter and support him, it would be like going against the team, but I'm sure a lot of players have, you know, texted him, called him, things like that. But uh, clearly he's not the amazing leader that he was touted as, but I don't think everyone hates him on the team right yeah that's a good point because it was such an ugly divorce it would be seen as you're taking a side if if yeah. you know uh if sam darnold was to put on instagram a post of him and whatever it would get attention and it would just be like you know he can text him personally or whatever. i'm not saying sam and him are great friends or anything but um yeah i mean it's it's certainly an, an interesting um scenario but I'm glad, like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, I'm just glad that that is over. That even though I'm glad, I'm really happy with the the compensation we got. And then I feel like we can just kind of enjoy this season. I mean, look, we still have Adam Gase to, to worry about, but I feel like we can enjoy the season a lot more without that drama. It's pretty much this year is not even necessarily about playoffs. Do I think they could sneak in? Maybe. But for me, it's like if the Jets go seven and nine, but Sam Donald throws 30 touchdowns and, you know, under 15 picks, you know, I'm feeling really good. That's what the season's about for me. It's the Sam Donald show. Um, yeah, I'm going to do on that. And, and I think another big thing that's important is that, you know, whether or not they love or hate him, if Adams were in the locker room, it would be awkward. It would be something you really could not get around to right. win games. So just getting him out was very important. Right. I'm, I'm still amazed that Joe Douglas got two firsts for him and a third and a repla- and a very good replacement player for a guy that pretty much every NFL team knew was going to have to be shipped out. I think that and the, Joe Douglas just kept maintaining that leverage saying, no, we're going to keep him just so he didn't get any low ball offers like, you know, fire sale. This guy has to go. Um, and it worked. So um, yeah, very, very excited about um, that. And, you know, I don't really know about 
but him in the locker room. But uh, speaking of those picks, at Sports Fiend, that's another one, at Sports underscore Fiend, with, with a three instead of an E, by the way. Um, what is your best case scenario with the selections we make next year for the 2021 NFL draft with our two first rounders? Do you think we'll move up for a highly coveted prospect or just keep our picks to select for depth at key positions? I mean, again, too early to know. Um, the next question we'll touch on, on a big subject about the college football season. We'll get to that topic in, in a minute. Um, as far as how Joe Douglas will, will spend it, I wouldn't be surprised if he traded down with, you know, especially if that Seahawks pick, you see a lot of trade downs from 25 to 32, I mean, you see trade downs all over the NFL draft, but it seems like there's always a trade down the back half of the draft. You know, if the Seahawks have a good year, maybe they lose in the NFC championship or something. And that's the 29th pick in the draft or something. Uh, the talent diff. I mean, look, uh, well, we'll get to that point in, in a minute, but uh, the talent difference between people at the end of the first round and the beginning of the second isn't too much. So, you know, maybe a team wants to hop another team and we'll give you their second, and their third and a future pick or, you know, I could totally see Joe Douglas moving back and turning that one first from Seattle into three players or something that kind of seems to be his style. Um, But yeah, I mean, if, if I can't really see them trading up, I mean, maybe it just doesn't really strike me as Joe Douglas's style. If a guy like Jamar chase or somebody, they really, really fall in love with at offensive line or receiver or something, an edge rusher falls and they're sitting at, you know, let's say they've already made their pick and this, and they were deciding between him and another guy, they go with one guy and this guy falls all the way to, you know, 16, 17, 18. Then maybe I could see the jets hopping up using an extra pick and, and that's Seattle pick to go get somebody. But I think I, I would probably put money. I'm not going to do the Manish meta. I'm going to walk home from the NFL draft or whatever, whatever, whatever he did when he said that, that John Edzik was going to trade <laughs> one of those 12 picks. Uh, I'm not going to put that level of dedication into it, but I will say um, that I would probably bet that at least, one of those four first rounders the next two years is going to be a trade down. Michael, what say you? Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think a trade down is really his mentality. Like you said, like there are always times where uh, a player that a team really wants falls further than they thought they would. And then you jump on the opportunity. So that's always open, but I don't think trading up will be in his uh, really what he'll be trying to do, but trading down that definitely seems like uh, the more Joe Douglas kind of thing to do. But in terms of positions, I think edge, is clearly going to be the number one need next year. Uh, Just like this year, they attacked O-line really aggressively. I think edge is going to be that spot next year. They're really lacking there, uh, unless Jabari Zuniga. And, and, you know, Zuniga could long-term be good, but as a third-round rookie, probably won't show too much this year. So it's going to be a huge need, as it has been for 15 years. But I think this will be the opportunity to finally address that. So I think that could be the position they look at. Guard is going to be a big need, and latter half of the first round is when you really see interior right. offensive line yep. starts to come on the board. That's really the hot spot for it. So I think edge and guard will be the top positions, but wide receiver and corner right up there as well. Right. I think the picks are going to go to building around Sam uh, and, and definitely getting after the quarterback. Joe Douglas knows that to, to win in the league in the national football league, you have to protect your quarterback and get after the other quarterback. And we, he pretty much targeted one of those things this offseason. He didn't really have much room to operate with the other one uh, because the offensive line situation was so dire. So he spent this offseason really trying to rebuild that offensive line. Next offseason, I imagine that he's – I mean, you look at all the top teams. They all have top-tier pass rushers. I mean, the Niners especially. I mean, you look at that front seven. It's, it's scary. I think next season he's going to start to try to build that more. I do like Zuniga a lot. Um, and we'll see if Quinnen can, you know, keep developing and, uh, and whatnot. 
Um, but yeah, next season, I think they'll add to the, to the front seven and then keep going with their uh, building the offensive line. And I think you made a really good point there. You know, unless Russell Wilson gets hurt, the Seahawks are probably going to be in the playoffs. So that pick is probably going to be in the twenties. I'm going to just be cheering for an early exit because if that picks around that 22 spot, there's always very good guards and interior offensive linemen that go there. Cesar Ruiz was the one this year. And it's really, I mean, if he was a left tackle with the same production he had, I mean, he would have been a top 10 pick, but yeah, interior offensive linemen aren't seen as, as important. So if let's say the jets uh, for argument's sake, let's say the jets go six and 10 or whatever, and picking 10, a good edge rusher falls to them. They take him at 10 and then the Seahawks pick is 22. They can take one of the top interior offensive linemen. I mean, that would be a home run first. I mean, just positional value alone. And who knows what situation it'll be like next year, but uh, if you can walk away from that first round with the, you know, getting after the quarterback and protecting it, I think that'll be his MO. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe a receiver, but, uh, you know, I think there are some good ones in free agency and he can always attack them in the later rounds. Uh, at Gray2820, asked a very similar question, but a, another uh, perspective on it. He said, how do you guys think JD will continue to build the roster with five picks and in the, in the top 100 in the next year's draft? And how do you think the draft will be affected if there's no college football? So this is probably the part of the question we should, we should talk about a little bit more because, we already talked about getting after the quarterback, protecting Sam and giving Sam weapons and, and maybe a corner is how he's going to use those top five picks or those five picks. Um, yeah. I mean, Michael, what, what are your thoughts? Cause we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast. If there's no college football season, do we think a lot of guys stay in college? You know uh, if uh, you know, or some, maybe there is a college football season and some guys opt out. Does that cause them to slide down in the first, you know, guys who, if they played would have been, at the higher end of the draft, maybe they fall to, to the later end of the, of the first round just because they didn't play this year. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of questions. And I think that does that is a, a bonus for Seattle was, especially this 2021 pick, there's so many questions in the air. Um, so, Michael, just your, your overall thoughts on, on how, I mean, obviously nobody can predict it, but how do you expect, I guess, the, the draft to be affected with college football? And how do you think that, that impacts Joe Douglas? Well, I think the biggest thing to keep in mind with any discussion like this right now is just how unpredictable it is, how many things could change, how quickly they can change. So it's just really tough to project until we know how the how the NCAA and all of college football plans to handle this uh, situation. But I mean, I mean, I think you really could see maybe a like a weaker class if you know maybe the season gets you know even if not canceled, maybe it gets postponed. Players opt out. Uh, and they want to play their next year, uh, and they don't go into the draft, you could maybe see a weaker overall talent pool. Uh, there are just a lot of ways it could go. You know, the draft could get pushed back, and that could change the entire flow of the offseason, kind of cram everything into the latter half. Maybe the draft gets pushed back to June, July, but it, it, this is all just speculation. I have no idea really what to predict right now. There are so many different ways it could go, but it, it's going to have – I think – the the likelihood of it being the same as it has been uh, and not drastically altered seems pretty low. I think there's definitely going to be something majorly different. If not one thing, right. everything uh, there's, it's going to be a lot different. I think most likely uh, unless somehow uh, they're able to get, get this college season on track and played as normal, but if not, there are going to be huge effects. And I think it really will affect the amount of talent that you're getting in that draft class. Yeah, and the thing to to remember as well is that every single front office in the NFL will be dealing with the exact same set of circumstances. So the best front offices, the most resourceful front offices, um, those are the ones that, that are going to win out. So 
it's not necessarily that the Jets are at a disadvantage than any other team, um, but you know, there's going to be teams that take advantage of this whole situation, not just the draft. And you know, Joe Douglas's and Adam Gase's job is to uh, to take advantage of that. At Earth to Adam, uh, or at Earth underscore two underscore Adam. I assume he's probably talking about Adam Gase in all caps. First, I mean, maybe should should I yell at Michael? Okay, no, I think I think I'll save our listeners' ears. Yeah, maybe you should spare us that. But yeah. it would be funny though. But this is all caps. Just imagine that. Uh, first time, long time. Is it more likely we flip some of the picks we got and return for Jamal Adams to maybe get a premium pass rusher like Yannick Ngakwe, like Manish Mehta uh, talked about um, today in an article, or the Jets signed free agent Davion Clowney? Then in parentheses, in lowercase, who said, "Come get him." close parentheses, back to uppercase, and use those picks to bolster the O-line, which, which would you rather see? Um, well, uh, Earth Adam, I love your enthusiasm, and I actually do think this is a great question um, because I, I saw you tweeting about it and other people were talking about it. When it comes to Unique Ngakwe, look, I like him a lot. He's young. He's a pass rusher. Uh, you see the best teams do this where they you know, will ship off some picks to get a proven pass rusher, add him to your front seven, um, and you know, you see immediate success. You saw it with D Ford last year and, and others. The thing with uh, him is that the Jets won't be able to sign him to an extension. Um, so you'd be sending, let's say, some people are talking about sending a first. If it was for a second, I would do this maybe, but I'm not doing this for a first, especially for, for what we're about to talk about. Let's say this Jets sent over a second, though. So they sent over a second for, for a unique Ngakwe. He's now on the team. He can't be signed to an extension until after the season, I believe. Because um, I think he's on the franchise tag, and I should be more well-versed in this. But essentially, you're paying draft capital to want a guy who doesn't want to be there. So, no, I would not offer a first. Not, I'm, you know, I'm not John Schneider. Um, and you're getting a guy who is essentially on a rental, similar to what the Giants did with Leonard Williams. The only benefit you get to that is that he's on your team now, so you get one year of him. But the Jets aren't Super Bowl contenders this year. Uh, and you get dibs to sign him. Um, but, you know, who knows how the season goes? Let's say the Jets have a you know a bad season and Adam Gase gets fired uh, and Unique wants an insane contract and Joe Douglas just penny-pinching him and, and whatnot. You know, then he doesn't resign and you lost draft capital. So I don't really see Joe Douglas doing it. If the Jets were, you know, two or three years down the line from this rebuild that they're in, you know, maybe they're you know, coming off a, a few playoff experiences uh, appearances and their, their pass rush needs a boost, I would probably send it over and, and trust that I could get a deal done with him. Um, but no, I, I would not trade uh, for, for unique Michael, your thoughts on that also in, in signing to David Clowney. Um, and then we can get to the second half of the question in a bit. Yeah. I, I think to get to the part of, of Glizzy McGuire's question, comparing uh, Ngakwe <laughs> to Davion Clowney. What a name. <laughs> It's can, 10 out of 10. But can sure. I also, can we also acknowledge that not, not only is it Glizzy McGuire, not only is it all caps, he also has a pineapple and a pizza emoji. So clearly a man of, of, of taste and a Mark Asno. Yeah, gift. A, 10 a, man out of 10. Of, a man of culture for sure. You know, I got to make sure I'm following him. Please, yeah, I am. Okay. So good. Please make sure you, you submit always this mailbag. Uh, was... Yeah. Really good question though. But uh, about Clowney and Ngakwe, I think the biggest thing comparing those two guys right now is that, uh, Clowney's a free agent right now. And if you're the Jets and you can get Clowney to settle for a one-year prove-it deal, say one-year, $10 million, just throw that his way, you know, that's a good deal for the Jets. He's a big upgrade for you right now. You don't have to commit long-term uh, or trade the draft capital that you would uh, for Ngakwe. So in a vacuum, I'd prefer Ngakwe because these two guys are similar players. They're both really good in one phase and just okay in the other. Clowney is 
an amazing run defender and a pretty good pass rusher. And Ngakwe is a really good pass, a really good pass rusher, uh, and you know just okay in run defense. Uh, so I'd prefer the pass rusher. But considering that you can get Clowney, if Clowney's willing to do that, if you could get Clowney uh, to settle for a one-year deal, it definitely makes a lot more sense for the Jets to do that than to than to trade picks for Ngakwe. So you know if they would be willing to go after Clowney, I think it makes a lot of sense for them now. I'm I was really against and still am them really signing Clowney to a long-term deal just because of his pass rushing not being that great. But if you can get him on a one-year deal, especially needing run defense a little bit more with Jamal Adams having left, uh, and his pass rushing is still a big upgrade over what they have on the edge, even though he's not fantastic. Uh, I think Clowney makes sense for them right now. I don't think they're going to go after it. It just doesn't seem like they've had that interest. But in terms of comparing those two guys, uh, I think Ngakwe is more valuable player, but uh, to get Clowney, just signing him without giving up draft capital makes a lot more sense for them. Yeah, Bradley McDougal tweeting about his former teammate is one thing. Jadavion Clowney's also saying, come get me. So, you know, that can mean, you know, come pay me $20 million, Joe Douglas. You know, come and, come and pay me for my services. He's also said he wants to play for contender, so I doubt he's taking a discount. Unless he desperately wants to be in New York, he's getting extremely lowballed by everybody else. He loves Greg Williams' system or something and just wants to play here for one year. In that circumstance, you know, maybe Joe, I could see Joe Douglas trying to give him, you know, one year, $15 million contract or $14 million, something like that. But uh, I believe that the cap space that they have right now carries over to next offseason. And with all the uncertainty going around with, with you know, what the salary cap is going to look like next year, the Jets are actually in fairly good shape compared to the, the rest of the league. You know, I do wonder – because there was all those reports about the Johnson's penny pinching. How much of that was just, you know, whether it was Woody being the ambassador to the UK or just the fact that this was, you know, the free agency was in March. Maybe it was just an awareness by the organization that, you know, COVID was serious and was going to impact the next season. And they didn't know what the salary cap was going to look like. I don't know. Maybe that would, that seems maybe too smart for the jets. Um, but potentially that was the reason why they penny pinched and wanted to save every single dollar they could. And then they also offered a lot of one-year deals because, look, the free agents next year are going to get low-balled because they're all going to be on one-year deals. It's all going to be less money than they had been making. So it made a lot of sense to sign a lot of one-year deals, and then you can uh, replace them with even cheaper talent uh, the, the year after that. I don't know if that was the Jets' idea, but anyways, my point to this is if you don't sign Jadavion Clowney, more cash carries over to next year. Again, the Jets are not in a win-now situation. Uh, I probably wouldn't do it. I agree with you that they need help with the run defense, but – with Mosley and Williamson coming back, I think that's going to be a big deal. And Brad, Bradley McDougal is no slouch. So um, unless, you know, unless you're really confident you can sign Unique Ngakwe to a long-term deal and you, you know, you're not giving up a first, maybe Jamin Clowney, you know, for the reasons I just outlined, probably not. Uh, and then he said, would you rather you see them use these picks to bolster the O-line? Uh, yes. I mean, you know, and edge and corner and, and receiver and whatnot. But I think, uh, certainly at least one of those picks is going to go to, to, to O-line. Um, so, and, and yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're, they can build out the, the front seven uh, next off season. It doesn't all need to be a one off season at Sammy D underscore. But thank you, Glizzy um, at Sammy T <laughs> underscore season. Uh, so again, another clowny question. So clowny clearly showed that he was willing to come and play for game green, but do you think stone cold Douglas will pull the trigger and sign him? Well, we just kind of answered that question, but uh, no, I, I don't think he will. Michael, anything else to add on on the clowny situation? Yeah, I think that's a great point you made about the cap space, wanting to carry some of that over. Uh, so I, I don't think they're going to go after 
either of these edge rushers. I think Clowney makes sense for them, but uh, there really has not been any sign that uh, it's something that they're willing to pursue. And, and I think there's sense to it in terms of uh, the point you brought up with the cap space. So I don't see Clowney join. I don't see them uh, pursuing Clowney. And that will wrap up part two of our training camp kickoff mailbag. Uh, you can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify. You can also follow us on Twitter at CYJ pod. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. And as always, you can find us at jetsxfactor.com, which is the best place to go for Jets content. Make sure you check it out. Uh, there's a few new rookie shirts that I, I thought were pretty cool designed. A few were designed by Michael himself. So make sure you just check it out at jetsxfactor.com. Part three um, will be available Tuesday morning uh, as this will be coming out Sunday morning. Uh, and then we should have more content later in the week. And uh, we're just looking forward to having content all the time here at CYJ Pod. So stay tuned. I uh, hope everybody's doing well. And uh, go Jets. Back to throw again. Throws one over the middle. It's tipped. And it's intercepted. CJ Mosley's got it. Runs right to the 10. Bradley McDougal. And he is in for a catch touchdown. The middle in the air picked off. Brian Poole to the end zone touchdown. There goes Donald and Bell. He's doing it all for the Jets.